Welcome back, everyone. It's Mason and my co-star, Nick. What's up, everybody? When we have our own TV show, we're going to be co-stars, not co-announcers. Uh, but anyways, today's episode, I hope you guys enjoy- actually, I hope you guys enjoyed our last episode. It was a, uh, a little insight onto who we are, and I, I think that it wasn't just me trying to bring on some family members. I think that it actually held a pretty decent importance because I think that the job they do is kind of unique and can fit well into, um, you know, a lot of your guys's potential personal definitions of freedom. But anyways, this episode is going to be interesting. We got a lot to talk about. A couple things been happening in the news that are pretty political and we're going to hit them hard and see where it goes. So, uh, you might get a little insight into me and Nick's political standpoints as well, because we all have them, so don't hate us for them. We'll start it off with that. The first thing is, Nick, you could start it off. So the first thing we're talking about, uh, the Trump wall. You've all heard about the wall that he wants to build. And he's been president for almost three years, and there's been no wall. So a Trump supporter named uh, Brian Colfage or Colfage page i don't know how to pronounce this last name tell you the truth but he started gofundme and he's an ex-veteran he's a triple amputee purple heart recipient so have a lot of respect for the guy he started gofundme with the goal of one billion dollars to build the wall and it's been up for three days and they already have nine million dollars right now they're facing they have 150,000 people who have donated to the campaign for Trump wall. That's, $60 it's, a person. <laughs> so obviously, we find it interesting. Uh, we'll go into a little bit of our views, but just in general, the fact that there's a GoFundMe that's raising that amount of money, you know what I mean? Like, I guess the question would beg, like, what if uh, a GoFundMe for something not that raised that amount of money? Yeah, you know something what I mean? else, something else you, know? you believe in or... Right, because you know I mean? there are there are, there's 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 a GoFundMe's for like kids cancer. Like I think it's like eighty percent of GoFundMe's are medical related, and you know they might get like a couple thousand dollars. But what if like a family with that had a you know a cancer ridden child or whatever was able to get five million dollars? Like they could probably fly to a different country and get the cure to cancer, which definitely exists. We just uh, <laughs> it's just too much money is made off the cancer industry. But anyways, that's a story for another day. Yeah. Right. But here's the thing with this Trump wall and I'm going to I'm going to start it off with some basic facts that might not be facts to some of you. But to us, we're going to have to start this conversation off with the basic fact being that borders, we we need borders and we need border security. So I know there's some of you that say eliminate the borders. So we're going to have to just go like that's a moral question that is pretty well, you know, knocked down by logic. But if you believe that, then I'm sorry. But we're going to start off with the question, with the statement that we need borders. So then the question is, you know, the biggest issue, then if the question is if we want border security because it's necessary and immigration is a whole other question, like whether or not we can, what are we want our policies to be to let people in and out is a whole other question. But Border security. People don't come here illegally. So then the question is, the biggest issue with it was that no one wanted to spend $5 billion to uh, build it, which, you know, that's 
a value system where is it worth $5 billion of taxpayer money to build it or not? But now we're at the state where what happens if we raise the money to build it? And then or will the left continue to um, oppose it being built even when the money's there? And then that goes into the now. Now we're no, see that brings well, about the see, argument. Well, you see, so like one of the, some of the worries that some people have with this is like if you donate it to the treasury, Congress still has to technically vote on it. But then there was also, I think it was back in 2012, this one uh, billionaire donated $7.5 million towards building a statue. And right. he was able to directly donate that. Right. So the base, the reality of it is it's all politics. And I wouldn't be surprised. And I, I mean, you know, there's a lot of – so here's the thing. For all of you out there, there's a huge difference between border security and immigration. They're, they're different. They're different subjects. So – whether or not we think we should be letting in more people here legally or not and approving more visas and approving more you know, uh, citizenship requests, that's a whole other conversation where there's a big divide between the left and the right. But as far as border security goes, I think there's a lot of Democrats that entirely do believe that we need proper border security. And a lot of times if they oppose it, it's because they're falling in with the party. So, you know – It'd be interesting to see what happens if the money is raised. And that's another part of it is that I think Nick did the math and it would take, you know, he said something like Trump had 68 million voters. And if every single one of them donated $60, we'd have $5 billion, which. Well, it was uh, 63 million. I, I didn't do the math. The guy who put the GoFundMe up oh. uh, did the math on that. And like that's like his incentive for people. It's $80 per Trump voter and they get $5 billion. And yeah, and they said they said even or he was like even if we get half of it, that's still a large chunk of wall where could make a huge impact. Well, they for, could put it around a couple states. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. I don't know. Yeah, no, I it, mean, it, it was a cool idea. It was a uh, I don't know when I first saw it, I laughed a little bit, but like at the end of the day, it's a cool idea because they're even if you don't agree with their reasoning for it. it they're putting money towards something that they believe in. Right, and I think that's the biggest point of this whole thing. It's not necessarily that it's about the border wall, but it's about the fact that, you know, it's possible to raise money in the numbers of millions and billions, you know, for a cause on a GoFundMe page, which didn't exist 10 years ago, you know what I mean? So, like, what if, who knows what we could pick as our next cause that we want to raise money for, and if enough people back it, you know, what well, if it was... I'm sure you could do that for, like, a business, too, if you want to start a business... Open up a yeah. GoFundMe, people donate, and it's like having investors that you don't have it's, to pay It's back. a definite thing, yeah. Especially, so, not just any business, but especially in like a technological-based business where there's some sort of like futuristic appeal to what they're making. There's a lot of people that will donate to that, you know, GoFundMe because they see it's like a, as a benefit for future generations. But, um... I did have one question about GoFundMe, which you probably not have the answer, Nick. But when someone starts to GoFundMe and people donate money, is the money like physically in GoFundMe's pocket, or is it simply like a pledge to once they reach their their uh, you know desired limit, then the money's pulled from their? If, accounts? If I'm or, not mistaken, it's already pulled from their accounts as soon as they make the donation. So what happens if it never makes the max? So, so, Does, can so, they still use so it? So if it doesn't reach the goal within the allotted time limit. It will get refunded to everyone. Oh. Everyone gets their money back. 
It's interesting. It's very interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, that's that. I was looking at it. Some people donated like thousands, like thousands of dollars. Right. Well, I mean, to be completely honest, we can get up to like four bill. You know, some with these rich, very conservative minded individuals better pay up. You know what I mean? And I'm not even. And, and so, first of all, this is this is the last thing we'll say because we got to move on. But um, it's not even like me and Nick are supportive of the wall. Nick personally believes that it's not even like worth it in the first place. Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, there is the argument that people have. Is that, yeah, it's not worth it because, you know, are they not going to find a way around it? (laughs) Like, do we even not want these people in here in the first place? That's, you know, a a different kind of question where I think we need to increase legal immigration, but then have a better process for it and whatnot. But it's irrelevant when we're saying, you know, the drug traffickers can get around the wall. So are they not just going to start moving people through tunnels? Like, is it not going to just become a new, you know, uh, money making yeah maybe so maybe what we're saying what would happen is the price to make it to america through a kai via a coyote will be more expensive but in the end you know well, what would a wall even really yeah. do at the end it's not really i think a wall might be good for short-term numbers short-term it'll make an impact but long-term i don't think it'll make a huge impact right so, you know, I mean, I, there was an argument that what if instead of just building a wall, what if we just hired $5 billion worth of new border security agents? I don't know. Interesting. But we'll move on. More than one way to skin a cat. Whoa, you can't say that according to PETA. You have to say there's uh, what was it? What, what, what is it? I don't even know what, what the uh, one for I that one is. But they said instead of being a dead horse, they said don't overfeed a full no, no, horse. No, it says feed a fed horse. Which Don't is feed a fed horse. dangerous because that's how you kill a horse. You overfeed it. Yeah. Shame on PETA. Yeah. They should know about it. Alright, next we are talking about General James Mattis. So Mad Dog. I know kind of a lot about Mad Dog Mattis, the Reverend Saint of Quantico, but uh Mattis is resigning as Secretary of Defense. So there's a couple of things that go along with this. The first being that you need to really understand Mattis to understand what's going on here. And uh, he isn't, he didn't get fired. He also, it wasn't some like, what a lot of people are thinking is, because people understand who Trump is, they're going, "Hey, Mattis is resigning. We're going to World War Three. That that's not the the fact. The the Mattis isn't resigning because Trump is forcing him to do something that is against his, you know, his morals or something like that. Where it's like, "Hey, man, you're about to start World War Three. I can't be part of this. I have to get out of here." That's not what's happening. the The fact is that is this something that's lost in modern culture? Is that James Mattis is a man who has some morals and some you know principles that go far beyond like what you would expect from people these days there was a quote uh one of my buddies put on facebook that was like james mattis has shown time and time again that he is impervious to the 
the need for corruption that is inherent with power. And it's true, man. Like, James Mattis is a 20-year military veteran that holds his uh, oath to service of this country way above uh, any personal desires. And to him... Well, so in his resignation letter, he actually... Like, this is a quote from his resignation letter. He said, My views on treating allies with respect and also being clear-eyed about both malign actors and strategic competitors are strongly held and informed by over four decades of immersion in de- in these issues. So right. that was part of the issues he had that... So, I mean, the, yeah, that's the fact, is that what what happens... What The, th- the thing is, it's not so much, which, you know, well, who knows, but... It's not so much that Trump is about to plunge us into World War III. The fact is just that simply Trump is making decisions that don't align with the values of James Madison. It doesn't mean that it's, you know, cataclysmic, but it simply is that they don't align with him. And to Madison's view, in which in the military you serve at the behest of your civilian commander and your commander-in-chief, his idea is that, you know, I can't. I can't willingly be part of an administration that is doing something that I don't believe in. And it's not because and it's not because Trump is doing something morally wrong, even though that's a whole nother conversation. But the fact is just that it's Mattis says, I don't believe in this. Uh, I'm here to serve at the behest of President Trump. And maybe it's even that he doesn't believe that he could fulfill his duties as you know, the Secretary of Defense carrying out President Trump's wishes without, like, you know, feeling okay about it. You know what I mean? Without, mm-hmm. you know, do, because one thing is you, you he doesn't want to do something that Trump wouldn't like because he's his only job is to serve at the behest of the president and carry out his orders. So what if he says that maybe I don't believe in what's about to happen enough to where I feel like maybe I can make – a decision that isn't completely in line with his views. It's basically all I'm saying is that Max is resigning because he's a good ass dude and he's one of the last of the great ass leaders of this world and he's doing it not because we're going to World War Three. He's doing it because Trump is pulling out of Syria, which is another conversation, but Mattis doesn't believe that that's what we should be doing and inherently he feels uncomfortable carrying out the orders of the president if he doesn't feel like it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that's one of the awesome things about Mattis. Like, he's a free thinker. Like, right. He's not going to, just because someone appointed him Secretary, Secretary of Defense doesn't mean he's just going to do everything he says or just blindly obey. He's going to, he's going to take his knowledge into account and, do the best he can and right. until he can't do it. Which I mean, even for that man to be, you know, what was it, 67 years old is when you have to retire from the military. And, you know, not just retiring from a job, but from the military. Like, he was wiped. And he chose to serve as the Secretary of Defense. Like, a lot of you guys think that that's just, like, the putting on top, like, you know, you finally made it. You get a little bit of power after building up your career. But to him, he don't need that. He chose to serve as the Secretary of Defense and give up 
some very much needed years that he could be relaxing in order to serve this country. And, you know, nothing but respect. And I guarantee you, you'll see that Trump gives him nothing but respect either, because as much as you guys, I, I, feel, I shouldn't say that. I almost started saying that, like, a lot of these guys listening don't like Trump. But I mean, a lot of people don't like Trump. But maybe you guys do. Maybe you guys don't. But even if you don't, one thing you have to realize is that Trump respects men of power like he respects people who he sees as you know equivalent to him or even better than him and the the issue that people come that people that comes into play is when trump destroys someone he believes inferior to him and that's another moral issue but trump's going to respect mattis because the world respects mattis and i mean i've never seen as much respect for someone like james mattis than he's gone have you, Nick? I don't know. Well, uh, like when it comes to respect, uh, it, I think it's funny you said that because I've actually thought that about Trump as well, how he respects people who he sees as equals. Like uh, right. even Rex Tillerson, when he was when he was part of the administration, he when he resigned, he, he treated it like it was a normal thing because he sees him as an equal. Right. But you see how he treats other people, even like his lawyer. He sees his lawyer as his inferior, his ex-lawyer. Right. And he treats him completely different. 100%. It's very interesting. It's very interesting. I don't know. But with Syria, you know, he wants to pull out. We all know what happened when we pulled out of Iraq with no plan in place that there was a power vacuum. If you guys don't know, there was a power vacuum which was one of the major factors that created ISIS. So we pull out of Syria. I think there's going to be a better plan in place simply because there's still a little bit of a structure of government. And this is one thing that a lot of you might not like to hear, but where we're in Syria to combat ISIS, we weren't necessarily there to combat the regime underneath Assad. So even though we are political enemies with Assad and his government, we weren't there to be at war with them. We were there to be at war with ISIS. So now President Trump says that uh, the war with ISIS has concluded and we're going to pull out. And what a lot of people go, well, Assad and Russia are going to get control of the country. Well, here's the thing. We weren't necessarily there to be at war with Assad and Russia. We were there to be at war with ISIS, which I'm not saying we're still political enemies with Russia. We're still political enemies with Assad. But that's not why we were there. So all I'm saying is we'll see what happens. Hopefully it goes well because power vacuums do cause a lot of destruction and death. As seen in Iraq, as seen in Afghanistan, you know, as seen throughout history. So hopefully something positive comes of it. But we'll have to just stay tuned and uh, don't get too freaked out. There's still a lot of checks on the president if you think that something bad might happen. I think it'll all work out. But uh, we're going to finish it off with a little bit of free thinking. And today we're going to talk about uncertainty. Um, we had an becoming comfortable with uncertainty. That's the key. So how, do, how, do you, how do you become comfortable with, you know, a feeling of uncertainty? We had a, an episode a couple months ago about this where we were talking about trying new things and developing knowledge and skills and how, you know, you're going to inherently feel uncomfortable. And 
that's the truth is that you're when you in order to I, I they all start off like this I have a personal belief that what defines us as human beings is the ability to adapt learn and develop whereas animals they might like grow up and grow into their instincts and grow into what's expected of them as you know living beings in the ecosystem but then they basically just fulfill their role for their life whereas humans have the ability to adapt to learn and to develop to learn new things a bunch of new things to develop to learn you know what i mean so to me that's the basis of humanity and opposable thumbs which are also important but you know some people don't have thumbs but uh so where I'm going with this is that in order to do those things, you have to do things that are new. You have to put yourself in uncomfortable situations. You have to – in order to learn something new, you have to try it without knowing it. And that's where my belief that in order to become successful inherently, you have to become comfortable with uncertainty. You're going to have to try new things that you can't do, that you don't know how to do, that are scary, and you're going to have to adapt to them. And that's another thing is that human nature is inherently looking for patterns. It's looking for patterns. It's looking for stability. You, humans want to get stuck in a pattern in a routine of life where they're comfortable. That's like the goal of human life is to be comfortable, and that's just a um, – genetic feature that's been around for however many years and so that's where i'm saying it's usually difficult to experience this kind of uncertainty or at least to put yourself in this uncertainty because the goal is comfort right and you in the past what has happened is that you would have to inherently fight through discomfort and uncertainty in order to achieve comfort but the issue is is now modern day in modern day society you can achieve that a level of comfort without putting yourself through uncertainty or discomfort in order to achieve comfort you can just go straight to comfort and not have achieved anything but just love a you know a very bland life of a standard job that you've had since you were 16 and you carry it on till you're 65 and retire you know it's it's an option but in order to be successful you need to now personally put yourself in these uncomfortable situations that's what's difficult for a lot of people well so well uh, i completely agree do you think there's any special tips or tricks to like start to get on that process of being comfortable being yeah you got to start off i mean the reality is you just got to do it and a lot of people think that that's a crazy idea but start off with something small i mean there's a big well like well, yeah, well, like, a lot of things, like, people are uncertain of are, like, a lot of high-risk things, you know? So, like, a good way to get onto that path is just try a bunch of small, low-risk right. things. Right, and I think one of the... But they have to be, like, brand new to you. Right, and I think... Brand new, low-risk things. And I think that's what... All the episodes are coming together, but that's why athletic uh, competition is so key to success, is because you're putting yourself in uncomfortable situations. You're trying new things. You're trying to develop your skills. And that's something that can directly help you in your endeavors to, you know, develop new skills and try new things. You know what I mean? Like try doing a sport. 
it's the easiest way to not put your money at risk, not to, you know, risk more than, you know, you're willing to do, but to get that same experience. And that's, that's what a lot of people do is it gives them the confidence to say, Hey, you know, I was nervous to try new things, but now I just learned how to play like three new hobbies. And I, you know, upped my bench press by a hundred pounds. You know, if I can up my bench press by a hundred pounds by eating a bunch of creatine, like I'm a monster and, you know, (laughs) eating steaks to the face, then maybe I can go out there and interview for a new job that I, you know, um, would like to do more. Well, that's funny. You said that That reminds me of a, a quote I saw one day. It was, let me pull it up on here. Cause it was a good quote. I'm never going to forget it. All right. Because it's Christmas season. It was, if, you, if you've if you spent eight years believing Santa is real, you can spend five minutes believing in yourself. Right. It's 100% true. Here's the thing. You got to, in order to be successful, you got to try new things. You got to develop the knowledge and the skills to be successful. That's a philosophy of well, freedom and power. Well, so like... So, like, what people are scared of is, like, with uncertainty is, like, they don't know how it's going to end. Right. They can't see the future. And you just got to accept that you can't see the future. You just got to go for it. Right. Well, that's that, That's the point is, yes, you will never be able to see the future. If you can be ha- – that's the point of being comfortable with uncertainty is if you are excited to go into – if you can – if you can go and try new things so much that you're excited to try new things, like what if your hobby was trying new things where falling flat on your face and failing and learning and adapting was no longer, you know, a necessity by nature to be successful, but rather like your hobby? Could you imagine that where, you know, you wanted to go out there and fail? You wanted to go out there and try something new. Like that's that's how people get there. That's how people that are massively successful get there is they get, they get excited about it and they go out there and just run around like they're just Superman and – Guess what? No one judges them for failing. No one hates on them for failing. And the biggest conspiracy here is that they don't always fail. They're actually a little bit more resilient than you think. People are actually a little bit more resilient and adaptable than you think. You're going to go out there and you're going to do something and you're going to think you're going to fail, but you're going to end up succeeding in a lot of things. And you're going to be like, wow, you know what? Maybe I can pull it off just by human nature of being a higher primate, but uh, yeah, it's definitely possible. You just got to go out there and really try it. And that's the point with the sports, with the hobbies, with new social interactions is you can test yourself out. You can start off doing smaller things before you, if you don't feel comfortable to go out there and start a business on your own and invest, you know, you know, refinance your house to start a new business, which you might want to do. Well, why don't you master jujitsu first? Why don't you learn how to hit a free throw from the half court line? And once you're able to do that, maybe you'll believe in yourself a little more and you'll trust yourself a little more to be able to make, take a bigger risk. Like, you know, well, like, well, like just think about like how many people have, have accomplished something great by playing it safe. No one has, there's no one has. I, I, 
I don't want to say no one, because I'm sure we'll get an email saying, well, this person played right. it safe their entire life. Look at them now. <laughs> and you're also got, but, yeah. And you also got to think. But most people don't make it by playing it safe. Right. And you also. Like, like you're never going to be successful or great if you never encounter difficulties or you, have any stumbles along the way. You have to, because success, the whole reason, the whole basically one of the main factors of success is that you are achieving something that other people are not. And therefore in order for you to gain a benefit that others are not, it means that you have to do something that others are not. And that's, what's going to set you apart. You know what I mean? It's going to, it's going to be an individual decision to do something where most of your friends and family probably aren't, unless you're, unless you're some hot shot, you know, living in a hyperactive community, which is not a lot of us, then probably most of your friends and family won't be doing what you're doing if you're going to really be pushing it. And it's going to be strange. It's going to be individual. You're going to be out there on your own. But it also is a good time to meet new friends, try new things, and uh, build new social networks because there are other people out there like you. But it, for a lot of you, you might already have established groups that you have to kind of move away from and try and uh, you know create new social networks. Nothing wrong with that. In the long run, it's going to benefit you. You know, that's just that's just the way it works with this kind of stuff. You got to know what you want. And we'll go right back into the three things it takes to be successful. You have to know what you want. You have to take risk, take massive risk. And then you have to and not let anyone tell you that you can't achieve it. That's what it is. You have to have a big ass dream then you have to be willing to risk a, your well-being being to achieve it because that's what's going to set you apart from the other people is they might be willing to risk $10 and everyone's willing to risk $10. That's why you can't be successful with $10. But if you're willing to take a bigger risk, a more monumental risk, a risk that actually has some value to it, you have to put in value to get value out. And if you do that and then you don't let the haters talk you down – and one of the biggest places that they'll talk you down is if you fail. So you might fail at first. Don't let that stop you. Just keep pushing. And, you know, who knows where you end up. But that's basically the uh, whole point of this. And we'll get into it more in the future. We will. We need to talk more about, like, the times of old back 20 episodes ago when we were really developing our thoughts and our ideals of freedom empowered, you know, there, there's, a, there's a lot of applicability to it, but we wanted to start giving you guys any little bit of insight into, you know, uh, current events and the news, which we have done. And, you know, we'll, we'll keep bouncing back and forth. We gave you an interview last episode, which is pretty cool. We need to do more of those, you know, we'll see who else we can get on and we'll keep talking about, news that's relevant and we'll keep trying to develop our ideas because I learned a lot from these episodes and I'm sure Nick does too. Right, Nick? Yeah, and, and for the, and for you guys, the listeners go out there and go, go be uncertain. Right. Go try new things. Try something stupid. Try something stupid. Don't go out there and try something crazy that, you know, has a huge impact on your, try something stupid like salsa dancing and, yeah, because if you, if you fail, if you're not who cares? Dancer, go out there and take a small right. dance class. Because if you fail, get uncomfortable. If you fail, who cares? It doesn't ruin your life. But at the same time, if you succeed, you still get that same amount of feeling of accomplishment that you learned something new. 
So, just a little. Yeah, that, that's got to be something that grinds my gears. People who, I know lots of people who do this, like, they don't want to try something because they're scared that they're going to be bad at it. But it's something completely, like, has no impact on their life. They just don't want to do it because they're scared. Like, oh, they're not going to be good at it. Oh, I tell my, I tell myself that all the time. Whenever I like see myself about to fuck up, I just have to tell myself. First of all, you might never see any of these people ever again. And even if you do, one, do they even care? And two, does it even matter if they care? Because you're you're an individual, and you just have to push through it. Just embarrass yourself. Who cares? That's it's exciting. Can you imagine just throwing off? This society like that, just just totally embarrassing yourself in front of everyone. You know, people love that stuff. Right. It's a good learning gotta experience. Gotta get comfortable with it. You know, it's definitely a necessity. So, yeah, I mean, I think we had a shorter episode today. Uh, Nick has a dinner date tonight, so that's why we're going to... We, we talked a little bit fast, but... Uh, I think we. Well, I think I think we hit all the I points. I think we squeezed out the information that we needed to, and that's that's what's important. And yeah, that's all I got. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed it, and we can uh, not be in World War Three when we hit our next episode. But who knows? Yeah, well, check out our Facebook pages, guys, and our other social media pages. Well. We've been a little slow on them, but we're working on it. We're doing the best we can. We're not social media lights. So, <laughs> we do the best we can. But, we'll talk to you guys next time.